Hi, I'm John. I'm Colin. And I'm Willem Dafoe's Impossibly Large Penis. This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if it holds up. You get to do what you want. Nobody fucks with you. The only word you got is dying. If that happens, you don't know about it anyway. Give the theme song. Hey, white boy. What you waiting for? That hole ain't gonna dig there. I think now, looking back... We did not fight the enemy. We fought ourselves. And the enemy wasn't us. Elias is still out there, Sarge. Taylor, I'll get him. You can cooperate him. Now, Article 15, both your asses. Yo! Saddle up! Lock and load! All right. The year was 1986. And Oliver Stone had not yet won an Oscar. But he's about to for directing. The Vietnam flick, Platoon. We got Tom Berenger, Willem Dafoe, Charlie Sheen, Keith David, Kevin Dillon. boy, Kevin Dillon, Johnny Drama. Forrest Whitaker is in this. Johnny Depp is in this. And, of course, John C. McGinley crying and screaming like he does. He's got his head so far up of Tom Berenger's ass. It's great. Uh, so, Platoon follows the story of Charlie Sheen. <laughs> what is his name in this? I can't even remember. Oh, shit. What is it? Chris. It's Chris. Chris. It is Chris. So Chris is a uh, new recruit into Vietnam. Um, he tells us via voiceover and via talking to his buddies that he volunteered. So he was kind of a uh, not the kind of person who would be doing this normally. Probably had a bit of a privileged life and decided he needed to do some good. So over he goes to Nam where he gets put up between the devil and the angel characters of Willem Dafoe. Tom Berenger, who are uh, sergeants, lieutenants in his unit, and um, they're pretty polar opposites of what they believe and what they're going after. So, uh, so Chris is torn between both sides, and uh, Vietnam fucks you up, man. You don't have a, lot, a long life expectancy there, especially when you go showing people a picture of your sweetheart before you go out on a shitty patrol. That was a bad move by that fat guy. And hijinks ensue. It's Vietnam. It's crazy. It's crazy. What are we doing here? So, uh, 86. So, we'd had uh, likely a few Vietnam flicks before this, but this one might be one of the most well-known in terms of Vietnam filmmaking. Stone actually wrote this in 71, and he sent it to Jim Morrison to read the script. And apparently, uh, when they found Jim Morrison dead in Paris in the tub, he had the script like it was beside the tub. He was reading it. Really? Yeah. Bet she did some rewrites after that. <laughs> yeah, he must have. But he like, well, fucking killed Jim Morrison. That's yeah. why he. That's why he made the Doors because he was a huge uh, Doors fan, right? And so years later, Stone made that movie, The Doors. Right. But um, apparently, Emilio Estevez was going to star in this too. Oh, good. Um, because Charlie Sheen was too young when he was originally going to make the movie. Then, like, shit, the thing fell apart. They And then, then when they had to recast, Emilio Estevez was busy. Oh, wow. So Charlie Sheen read it again two years older, and uh, they said he was old enough. He looked old enough now to play Chris. So is this before Wall Street? or This is after Wall Street. So oh, he no, was, sorry, this is before Wall this Street. This is before, right. Yeah, so Wall Street came very next movie. So it was really weird for me um, to realize that he made two movies that were the exact same arc story archetype, which is the two father story. Yeah. He does it platoon and he does it like right after in Wall Street as well. So I'm not sure if that was just like 
what he was interested in. I think time. the difference in Wall Street is more cocaine. Lots more cocaine. Less less uh, opium. Yeah. Apparently, he was a tyrant on the set on purpose to the point where everybody hated his guts. Keeping everybody on edge. Yeah, that was his goal. He said that. I guess uh, there's an also a little snippet with uh, uh, who was it? Uh, what's his name? Uh, fuck, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Johnny, Johnny Depp. Depp. Yeah, Johnny said, Depp said one one t- one scene. He was yelling at him so much in between takes. He he puked or almost puked. Wow. Because he was so nervous and like on edge from him getting screamed at. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize he was such a tyrant on this. Apparently, like, it was all, like, planned and meditated, but, like, people thought he was going over the line, crossing the line a lot. Interesting. Probably trying to bring that Vietnam flavor in. Yeah, well, he was trying to make them feel as abused as the characters, but that's sometimes not the best. uh, I wonder if you get away with these types of fucking tactics today. I think to an extent you can, but... Not not uh, to what they would have been doing back here in the eighties. Because you can't you can't like I don't think I mean even though they were shooting this movie outside of the United States and stuff they would still be a a, a production company of the U S and I think you can like just abuse your employees on purpose just to fuck with them. Well, I mean we've all heard I think we all have if you haven't look them up but Oliver Stone like gets into like getting do, doing coke and stuff like that with his actors for so, some of the movies that he made like he gets right into it so i think he admitted I don't he think was high as fuck on every kind of drug during the whole time they were making natural born killers they're yeah. doing everything they're doing peyote they're doing acid so like the, the rules are kind of come off i think as we got into the early 90s um yeah, i don't but think I they're think, getting away with that today. i think nowadays it's too i think you can get away with a certain amount as long as you keep it on the dl but for the most part you, there'd be too many insurance companies and, and other people there probably making sure that people aren't doing anything that would be deemed dangerous um okay so here's um something i wanted to get your guys feedback on we might as well jump in with something juicy from my perspective but it is the letters to grandma um that kind of bookend the movie and and a few other in between and um so i colin's got me into this habit now of of paying attention to voiceover and um something interesting we've been doing um for for some movies lately also a, a trick from colin is uh when there's voiceover that you don't like in a movie, you just mute it and then just watch the imagery on scene and, and, you know, maybe kind of imagine what the music might be like and see if that's good enough to carry some of the scene through. Um, like 98% of the time, it's better without it, their shitty voiceover. Yeah. I can't remember what one you showed me. American that, Psycho. No, no, it was a different, was a different one. You guys do a different one? Because American Psycho, the unmasking in the beginning of that movie, if you mute it, that scene is intense and excellent, and if you don't, it's abysmal and horrid. Yeah. So it's, you're exactly right. It, it's so it's really interesting. So when Charlie Sheen's writing his first letter home to Grandma, it's actually doesn't strike me as the worst, but it got my it got my attention. And then pretty much from from after that one, every time there's a letter to Grandma, it's got a piece of information that they then show us a few seconds later in the movie or a few minutes later. So the first one was, you know, about him talking about him being an idealist and he's not sure why he volunteered and blah, blah, blah. And then like five minutes later, he's talking to guys about how he volunteered and they're giving him shit for it. So I didn't, I didn't quite understand. And then, you know, at the end of the movie is, is the most egregious one to me because things are so fucked up and like he's having the moment with the with the gun cross guy who's awesome at the end um and he's like talking about his experience and what he was just through and how it's going to be hard to recover and i'm like i ju- i see it all 
Like you're obviously demolished as a person and everyone's dying around you and there's like still brave people being left behind. Yeah, so, let, us, let us take it in with the music in our eyes. Kind of. There's like no need. He actually says, I sometimes feel like the son of those two fathers. Yeah. What a kick in the balls that voiceover is at the end. Like I, I cannot even, even like whatever many years ago when this came out, even then the voiceover bothered me and I didn't know anything about anything, but I'm like, why is it this voiceover here? Yeah. But I, and I think Brent, and he can answer this, but thought that the voiceover was okay for the letters. But after having a conversation with John, I actually agree with John now. And I think that it should have been taken out all of it because those shots of the guys, him looking at the guys and they're like, you know, like they're putting their hoods up and they're in the rain and stuff. Without the voiceover, way better. Yeah. You don't need it. It's more tense. And when and he's you don't, they're and digging in the fire pits after they've cleaned the shitters out, all the stuff they're talking about there. Do we, do we really need to hear him telling his grandma that he's having a bad time when we're watching him have a bad time? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> like I've, we're seeing him have a shitty time. We're seeing him dig trenches. We're seeing him sleep on the ground. Yeah. Do we need extra everybody Probably complains not. about that job so you instantly know it's like the worst job in the unit is cleaning the latrines yeah um, <laughs> well you don't even need to no you don't anything. need yeah you what if what's the job hauling shit and piss yeah <laughs> enough nope, said don't want that <laughs> and job burning it and smelling it as it burns off with fucking gasoline yeah no. yeah Jesus. you don't need any you don't need letters going back home yeah it, it's it not would have been stronger without it yeah it's not the worst voiceover now i will say but um in paying attention to this more and you know we're going Going back to 86, so um, Brent's made this point before, which I think is a great one, is is in many ways, movie making is still like finding its way towards what's best. And so maybe... It's a moving target for sure. Yeah. So in 86, maybe voiceover was kind of new and the sexy thing to do. Um, but I mean, it's really no different than, than any crawl or any other voiceover in that it, it needs to be done either to, to catch us up um, on something we're not going to see, just give us enough of the the bare minimum background um, to to put us in the right headspace for the for the movie. But if then you're going to start going over the history of how everyone got there through scenes in the movie and dialogue, it it just is whacking me over the head. You don't yeah. want it to be too explicit. But the thing about the voiceover is, and this and this movie, I think when we were watching, I think I mentioned, I I was like, this looks like what the Thin Red Line was inspired by. You could see a lot of those long lighting shots with like the light cracking through the jungle. And then also there's like this philosophical voiceover that's happening. And there are parts that are like John's saying, they're just explaining the scene that you're in or explaining some of the imagery that you're being surrounded by. And that's unnecessary. But some of it is like a little bit more of like a look inside of, of the experience or a look inside of the mind during that. And, and he's coming from a place where he was like principled joining because he thought that there was, that it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Right. He has, he comes from a family that has opportunity. He didn't need to be here. He did because he has this moral compass that guided him. And so he's going through this, like this intellectual process, trying to, trying to digest the experience, digest the, the, the decision, right? And I, I don't mind some of that voiceover. I think that it, there's a very fine line between going too much and starting to explain what's yep. happening. Yep. And then also having something where it's... Because I don't mind voiceover if it's almost like dialogue of the mind, right? But if it's voiceover explaining things that we're seeing anyways, yes. that's where it becomes like a, like a bad move. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And there are elements, as you say, where he does 
put a bit of insight into to what what's happening to him, but it could have been done in a different way. And and if he had been telling us inner feelings that he had that aren't obvious on screen, I, I would have been a lot better for me. I don't. Yeah, I don't think there is any of that. I but don't like, think so. In, in retrospect, I I like agreed at the time when we watched it, but then after I had a conversation with John, I really thought about it hard. When he says, "I should have never never come here, Grandma," or something like that. I don't need him to say that for me. I, I actually think it weakens the movie to say that. I think we're watching him go through it and seeing that that he, you know what I mean? Like this was, he's going to feel like this is a mistake in the moment. We don't need him to say that. Like we're experiencing it through through what's happening to him and what he's seeing and what, what is happening. So I actually do think, while it's not the worst. Yeah voiceover definitely not it's like it's it's okay yeah it would have been stronger without it would have just been better across without. the board yeah it would have been it would have made more of an impact on me if some of those me moments too. had gone unspoken yeah and, and the um, silence is almost like we were talking about with the american psycho the silence is almost makes the scenes more powerful because then we internalize them we're not this the movie's not verbalizing it yeah the and, Sorry. No, I was just going to, a quick one is, is in, in the cases where you do kind of silence the movie and, and put it through its paces um, to watch it without the voiceover, if you're muting at home, then you start to realize you can like cut those scenes down in some cases because just a little bit of the visual with no voiceover gives you enough of what you need. And so then as an, as an editor, you could knock like minutes off your movie that's really heavy in voiceover by getting the same effect with no voiceover and just tighter, crisper visuals. Um, with some nice music, there there are opportunities for that too. I'll always take the subtle imagery over over the voiceover. Any I don't want to be hit over the head with it. I never want to have to be explained something in a movie. Yeah. If I miss it, let me miss it, man. But put it there for me to discover. Yeah. And don't hit me over the head with it because you the, you're changing it. You're you're taking something that could be art, and you're you're turning it into a fucking Warhol garbage fucking like just hitting me over the head with bullshit. Yeah. And this is not definitely once again, like not, not that that's what happens here. It's, it, it is, a, it's, it's, it's better because they're, the only reason it works even at all a little bit is because it's being done as a letter. They're using the device of a letter to a family member. Yep. If, if it wasn't that it would be completely bad, but, but, it, yeah, it's it's not it's that I I let slide at the time, and I I don't think it ruins the movie. No, and I get the sense like it was intentional. Maybe he was like planning to do it all along. He didn't watch his first cut and was like, "Oh shit, I have no idea what's going on. We have to put in voiceover to explain it." I I get the sense that it was a planned thing. It was. You think it was on? It was secondary. It was during the editing process. He called him back in to do some voiceover. No, I think I think he planned it from the start. Oh, okay. I, that, that would be my guess. It's just it's not yeah. it's not that much filler and exp explain a log over using voiceover. It just it just happens to be in the form of the letter, which I like as a as a as a as a vehicle for voiceover. Like that's one of the more acceptable ways to do it instead of just talking to us as the audience. Actually, more talk. It sounds like the worst stuff is where they're telling themselves a story and we're just listening. If they're talking to the audience directly, that's okay. And uh, like talking to themselves as a like as we're in on the secret of the movie of what we're witnessing. I don't mind that as much. I'm trying to think of a good example where they do that. Oh, like, uh, well, no, I won't use the American Beauty one, but that's where they do it anyway. <laughs> um, when they do it via letters and stuff like that, um, and one of our movies coming up in the future, uh, Glory, has some great voiceover letters that 
I was thinking it's of more drawing of a, just now too. It's more of a piece of history because those letters exist, and, and Matthew Broderick reading them um, it makes it really powerful. It's not explain a log. It's 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 more character development. Anyway, it's, it's chronicling. There's it sometimes kind of, there's like and a it's chronicle true history. To it. So they're putting that into it because that actually yeah, happened. Yeah, voiceover, voiceover that that I've been finding acceptable lately in Goodfellas and stuff like that is is the voiceover is characterization. Yeah. So so when the voiceover is 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 teaching you about the character, the way he thinks and speaks and stuff like that. That is very, that's all Goodfellas, right? Yeah. He's talking about like, you know, like. He's talking to us directly there too. Yeah. He, he's telling us the story. Yeah. But he's talk. he's talking in a way that he's like, uh, like, so for instance, that great line where he's like, Polly didn't move. Polly. He's like, Polly didn't move for nobody. He's yeah. like, Polly moves slow. Cause Polly didn't have to move fast for anybody. That's a great, that like that that's it's a painting a picture with the voiceover not like just explaining like what we're seeing on the screen mm. like the guy came in and we beat him up and then we kicked him in the balls and then it shows him kicking him that's not good voiceover yeah. there's no need for that yeah, yeah. i agree here's and me walking up the stairs and then i brush <laughs> my teeth and then i look in the mirror for one minute and yeah. then i do this other thing bullshit it's so weird but 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 if you were describing the way you're walking upstairs and why you walk up that way that's a little bit more interesting i silly walk upstairs it it shows a real <laughs> it shows a lack of confidence in the filmmaker and it shows a lack of his respect for an audience's intelligence that's something that you see a lot more in movies nowadays is the lack of respect in your audience it's everything is short attention span and we can't yeah. we can't trust you to get it we need you to we need to, you to buy tickets so yeah. we need to make it dumb enough for everybody yeah. as a as a maybe slightly more than average sophistication movie watcher oceans 11 is the biggest example of that that i can think about ever where yeah. they hit you over the head with it because you think about the end of that movie and then fucking he goes what they did was make a double of the vault and then they do he explains <laughs> the whole fucking thing and we're like, we just watched the movie, man. <laughs> Why do you, like, did you really have to, like, explicitly that's, state that's, that? That's exactly it's how so I feel true. at the end yeah. of this movie. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah, and you're he's right. Like, that you made us like watch a dads. movie. Yeah, and he's like, and he's like, this experience is going to be with me for the rest of my life. And, like, and, like, <laughs> you it was don't hard. Say. People died. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Thanks. But we saw. We just, yeah. we, and we just saw it too. Like, we didn't see it like a week ago. We just watched it. So, yeah. why are you explaining it to us now? Yeah. yeah. So, I think that's enough on voiceover for today. But, yeah, we um, won't. Uh, we went and, deep and it on didn't, that. And it didn't ruin it. Like, didn't ruin it. That wasn't. Except for the voiceover at the end, I think does. It, it does. It, I'm not saying it makes it hold up or not, but it definitely fucking. That, it, that took it down a notch. Oh, and yeah. Speed, that's a big speed like, bump. If this almost movie's like an eight, It's belligerent. Yeah. Like, it's, it's really in your it's face. It's so bad. And, and at the end of the movie, that, that if this movie, let's just say, was an eight, that that would literally take it down to a seven or a six and a half. Yeah. Just that one effect. Fence. Not a point and a half. Uh, a I think it not does. A, not a it's it's, it's a the last thing you leave. You, you're left with. That's you, true. It, you it, leave it, the movie feeling like an idiot. It's just like, hey, idiot! You just watched my movie. <laughs> no, now I'm going to explain it to you, idiot. <laughs> and you're not wrong. Like, so, like having like, the dialogue tell the theme of the movie is a fucking huge problem to me. But yeah. a full that, point it, it's, is it's it's showing a lack of. <laughs> A lack, total lack of confidence in your ability as a filmmaker. It's funny when you say hey, it. idiot. It's funny when we talk about <laughs> it like this, yeah. So now, I, there are good things to say about this movie, but just because it's in my head, I want to move on oh, to we're out of time. number two. And we got to go. <laughs> um, I, don't, I 
felt like there would be a way to have done the action scenes better. Yes, they were chaotic, but their their decision not to use squibs um, to really like hammer home the impact of people getting shot. It's more just people going down and they sometimes use squibs uh sometimes Banger maybe. had squibs when he got shot at the yeah end that's right Sheen. that's right he did and that that looked great that kept me in it yeah. um but like let's so like willem dafoe in his big scene where he's running out of the woods after he's been shot and and they're flying by in the chopper and like oh yeah just his reactions when he's like waiting to get shot and his shoulders are so cold explain, forward, explain like, what squibs eh. are for people that might be listening oh sorry so they actually put these little uh, light charges under with die packs in there in uh, as a vest and then they can pop them with with buttons so it looks like people are being shot and it just gives the little bit of extra visceral which war movies should there's have. an impact there, there's actually an impact that the a the actor can react to and sometimes it's too late but if they time it right it's good and it really hammers home that these people are, are being shot and it also indicates that they're being shot if he's just like flailing it doesn't really make a lot of sense it's like you're playing a video game but there's no hit marker and you're like yeah did i did i and then they just start like waving but there's no bullets and no blood it, it i didn't want this movie to be extra gory it's just when they made that decision and there are lots of scenes where it, it happens where they're running through the woods and shooting people whatever and the people are going down it just took out some of the some of the impact for me and therefore a lot of the scenes that are fighting scenes show people shooting and then show people kind of on the other end shooting back or getting shot but there's never like there's never i didn't like a lot of the combat directing um, because it just, it didn't hit me. It was a little tough to tell where everybody was. Again, maybe that was intentional because war is chaos and hell. Um, but some of the firefight scenes took me out of it. You can do that so well in jungle battle scenes too, because there's so much environment. Yep. And bullet impacts can be hitting trees, leaves around yeah. you, trees. Like, think of the, I, I can't remember the movie exactly, but there's a scene that I'm thinking about where a guy... Uh, Band of Brothers. Yeah. When he when there's a one early on in the season, one of the guys climbs up a tree to get a better vantage point yeah. to shoot over. Yep. And they see him and start shooting into the tree. Yeah. And you can see the absolute panic and sh- pants shitting that he's going through. Yeah. Because the leaves and the branches and everything else are snipping off. Yeah. So like just to your point about like showing the visceral, showing the impact, it it doesn't need to be gore. Yeah, it doesn't. I I would say though that. Um, I found the I found the action in this movie and the uh, and the battle and stuff intense and and I didn't yep. really have it any had, problems with it. It no, had I'm a lot of those. Yeah, it had a lot of it had a lot of good good elements. It's just I was if scared. They had it, I added felt, a bit more. I felt I felt that there's they were in danger a lot of the time, and I I felt like I was concerned for their safety and mm. and I felt you know I I liked a lot of the scenes where you could hear hear them talking like at a distance and you knew they were coming yeah and i found that was really eerie and spooky and, yep. and fucked up and messed up and and i gotta i gotta say like we've been we've been ragging on uh stone a lot lately and this podcast uh <laughs> especially me i <laughs> the, the any given sunday certainly didn't oh, go over yeah, well didn't, yeah didn't. i've i've been having some issues <laughs> with uh stone and wondering uh about his his directing but uh i i was really surprised that how effective this movie was for I me. I think it's more personal. I, I feel like he... That's the way to put it, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he... Cause, because it's based off of like his own time in Vietnam, right? I was like very, very affected like after the movie with the scenes where they attack the village and they kill people. So that, they that rape, was... They rape the women. That was yeah. hard to watch. That, very that, hard to it watch. It was incredibly difficult to watch. So the whole... <clears throat> the, one thing that was done so brilliantly and... 
so sorry one sec so yes as a personal taste like the, talking me talking about the script that would have made it another notch up for me but mm. Colin's also right in that a lot of these scenes raise the tension um, you, you feel it um, so so the, one of the biggest and maybe the, the whole crux of the movie the scene that, that matters most is when they go into that village because that's where the two fathers really separate like they, they weren't aligned previously but now it's like a like a life or death thing almost um, and so they they are going through the through the jungle and they have to work up to getting to the village like they have to get their asses kicked a little bit so they they have some of their troops go down to some traps they get Willem Dafoe going in the tunnel which was fucking so tense that guys would like have a flashlight and a pistol and go in these tunnels and then just bust up and start wasting guys like so scary that's really scary and so then uh, then one of their sentries um, as the units moving through uh, gets kidnapped and fucking killed badly Mm-hmm. And left on display, and so these guys are like, uh, as the Viet Cong were, were, you know, apt to do, because th- they wanted to use the psychological warfare as much as anybody. They wanted, yeah, they wanted them to leave, and they wanted them to uh, know that if they didn't leave, that there was they no, would be treated. There was no mercy. There's no mercy for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they come upon this village, and you know, could have been a peaceful village, could not. They did find a huge cache of weapons, but the village people are saying that the Viet Cong has come, and they dump their shit, and what are they supposed to do about it? And then we go through like a number of horrible atrocities, but the way that they've built up the hardships that this unit has to go through to get here, you don't accept it because it's wrong. It's 100% wrong, but you can see how people who are already so close and maybe even some slightly over the edge would react. And then you throw in a bunny character who is like just looking for an excuse to kill someone. It's Um, It's like his defense. Like yeah, he, he, his walls. He, yeah, he doesn't know any other way to be there other than just to be ultra violent. The, also, the good the good thing that they also do is they have Charlie Sheen go off a little bit too. But he makes his decision. But he to he not. does. But he's firing at that guy's feet and he's screaming and he's furious. And then he his um humanity or whatever kicks in and he starts to cry because he realizes that he's out of control and yeah. he's. And he sees the mother, uh, like, and she's so worried about her boy or whatever. And he 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 breaks down, and then he's called like weak or whatever. Yeah. And then that guy smashes that guy's skull with his gun. Like, I, does, it was yeah. like this, it was it was like very that movie that movie is still very effective that, that's the way the way that bunny turns off that see the uh, way his head pops i've never seen something like that yeah he's like, like more disgusting. interested it's gross and then later as they're leaving the village they flip back to the body of the son and show that he had killed the mother as well yeah which he wanted to also also um probably actually a blessing to the mother because she would have had to deal with that horrible memory yeah also um also uh the scene where uh charlie sheen finds those guys raping those yep. young young girls yeah young and, uh, and some of them are from his I guess tribe. It, you know what? It doesn't yeah. even matter what age you are. They were raping women. Yeah. Innocent women. Um, but he uh, <clears throat> apparently all that was a that happened to Oliver Stone. And he like intervened when some people were raping some women when they assaulted a village. Yeah. And like it's and there was a guy that a character that I kind of liked. Who was that? What was his name? It was one of the dudes from he the was, from the from the pot. Den he was a, he was a black the, guy, and he he hung out with them, and he smoked weed with them. He was like skinny. Yeah, yeah I can't remember uh, Junior. His name. his name was Junior. Uh-huh. I liked Junior, and then I, I when I saw that Junior was a part of those guys who were raping those women, I like at the rest of the movie, I could not stand that character, and I was hoping he was going to get it. Well, Junior yeah. also uh, <clears throat> falls asleep on watch and gets 
some of his unit killed um, and then tries to blame Charlie Sheen and whether or not anyone actually believed Charlie Sheen there. Um, But that's all maybe brought full circle because Junior has one of the worst, to me, scariest deaths in the movie ever because he tries to run away from his pit. He hits his head on a wall and then he wakes up being bayoneted in the stomach like five or six times. Yeah. That's horrible. That's a horrible way to go. But maybe he deserved it because he seems like a real piece of shit. Well, if you're raping people, then yeah. I know. And I'm I, not going to feel bad. I feel that. like uh, when Tom Berenger also shoots that woman who's like protecting her husband and stuff, he shoots her in the head yeah. in front of like the whole village and yeah. his men and stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, that whole, that whole scene just alone makes that movie... It's that village. That village is like... That's where everything splits. That's a, a major turning, atrocity. That's probably the is that the break in too? Is it that? would be the midpoint of the movie. You see yeah. before though already, you see that there is not only like Americans and Vietnam, Vietnamese, but there's also the split in the party because yeah. you've yeah. already seen the two the two sides, right? There's like the, uh, the uh, good old boys or whatever you want to call it, drinking beer and whatever. Voting for Trump. Voting for Trump. <laughs> and then you got, you got the Willem Dafoe's crew who are like... They seem to be, anyways, like more intellectual or more reflective and looking for like looking for the drugs as an escape, obviously, but also enjoying like good, honest time with one and another. Camaraderie, right? Camaraderie. Yeah. And, like and they're singing together, they're hugging each other, there's a closeness. And Defoe. Willem Dafoe's definitely gay. Or <laughs> I mean the way he looks at Charlie Sheen when he first comes in. Put this in your mouth. Yeah. I think, dude. I think they're, they're those guys are all looking for answers and they don't think they've found them yet. Whereas yeah. the other guys are like, These are the answers. We're just gonna kill everybody. But uh Yeah. When he uh when yeah, that's the what what you the structure is good because that is what you call the midpoint in the movie, and the midpoint of the movie is when something gigantic changes and and the char- the new the main character has to make a huge decision and the decision he makes is he sides with Elias and not with Barnes everyone had to make a decision in that scene everyone had to pick a side which is like what makes that so significant is cuz then you see the it's, lines drawn for black so many and white. characters it's bla- you you rape and murder or you don't well and then when he reports it <laughs> you see you see that some people are defending Barnes yeah to the, to the commanding officer they're like I saw the lo- I was there and the I lieutenant does the yeah. lieutenant who yeah. previous Chicken to this shit, motherfucker. the lieutenant's totally a piece of shit because he comes in and at the beginning of the movie you can tell that he's pretty new because yeah. they're in that little meeting he right away gives the gives the question to Beringer he's like what would you do yeah Beringer takes that question and turns it into it orders yeah this is what would I do this is what act. I would do and this is what we'll do now and then the lieutenant even makes a point to say like from now on, I'll give the orders. Yeah. And Beringer just goes like, yeah, whatever. Right. <laughs> and then salutes him like a really dismissive salute. But actually, he but never then, asked Beringer for his, he never asked Beringer for his input. Yeah, he does. Beringer just talked over him. No, he asks him. I don't think so. Did he? Straight up asked Beringer. And Beringer. Asked him what? I don't remember what you're talking he about. He asked him what his, what he would, what his suggests. What, <clears throat> what do you suggest? What do you think we should do? He straight up asks him. Okay. Oh, all I remember is him saying, you guys are going out tonight, and they're like, "It's not my turn." He's like, "Well, you're going out because you're and you're and that guy's going with you." And then he's like, "Hey, that's after everything." Oh well, I don't remember the scene you're talking about. I just remember him like basically taking command over top of his commanding officer and his commanding officer saying, "Hey, I'm here." Like, yeah. And then he's like, "Whatever." Watch it again. Salute. Lieutenant asks Beringer, um, 
for what direction he would take for his input. I just don't even and remember Beringer what we're talking about at this point. But anyways, I just remember the <laughs> I scene. I fucking talking. That's what was going on. Go on. <laughs> no, I just don't remember. Jesus. I just don't remember what you're talking about. I don't remember in that scene what, what the question was of what they're going to do. I just remember somebody had to do a night shift. I was talking did. about the lieutenant's fucking change. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about later on when he backs yeah. up Barringer. It was just a little bit of reflection to draw a point <laughs> later. But anyways, <laughs> no, carry on. I just don't remember the scene you're talking about, uh, about him asking him, to, deferring to Barringer. It's the first thing before they do anything, the conversations that they're having as the meeting of the minds. You got that weak-ass guy that sucks Barringer's dick all, all movie. You got Barringer, you got Willem Dafoe, McGinley. and the McGinley, lieutenant. Yeah. And they're all sitting around talking about what's going to go on, and the lieutenant just straight up asks him. And you could tell at that point that he's very new and he doesn't have a lot of confidence and he's kind of like he's allowing Beringer as the as the reigning authority on things to give it. He, at that point, I don't think he's the guy later we see in the village where he defends Beringer because <clears throat> Willem Dafoe's like, what the fuck? Are you going to let this happen? And he's like, I didn't see anything. Yeah. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like you can see the change in that guy. He turns like right away. He loses his morality. And there's not really a great indication of it at the beginning of the movie, but you get a hint that it's there. You just get a sense and of how green he is. he loses it right away. But you and Charlie Sheen is just as new. And, um, but you see Barringer's He's taking, off of it. You see Barringer take the lead in every scene. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. He's Once he opened the door. It's, it's, it, it's his... He's the sergeant that in charge that of guy, the squad. That guy's just basically trying... The, the that, whatever. That, that yeah. guy's just trying to take some of his power back from him, even though he... Like Beringer's never gonna let that happen because Beringer's the alpha and that guy's fucking definitely not an alpha. Yeah, no, like that's that the guy point. shouldn't even be. That guy, that guy should have never been in the position he was in because he had no fucking leadership skills. Like, and that's why he has to like. Leaders don't tell somebody they're the leader; they just fucking take charge, and that's what Beringer did in that scene. It's a, it's well, really well written. Yeah, I, I love all the hierarchy stuff. Um, I love at the like later on in the movie when uh, all those guys are hiding in their bunkers and stuff, and he's like, uh, he's like, we gotta fall back, and he's like, there is nowhere to fall back to. Yeah. You will pick up a gun and you will fight yeah. with everybody else. We're out of options now, boys. That was so scary, by the way, when they <laughs> broke those ranks and oh, like, yeah. and they were inside their base. They Oliver killed Stone Oliver gets Stone. Blown up. Yeah. That guy runs in. Yeah, the, the suicide, suicide bomber. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff's nuts. Except for that guy, the captain that um, calls the airstrike in on their location. Yeah. And this is bumping forward, but I think we're cruising yeah, there we're anyways. Yeah, we're all over it, yeah. Um, he calls the airstrike in on their position, and he, he makes it. Yeah, he does at the end. Yeah, I, I was like super um, surprised by that. I, I got to know that guy's name because he's in all these war movies, and I absolutely love him. He's great. But yeah. you got to tell... I'm assuming they told everyone it was coming in on their position. He no, wouldn't I have. Don't, I don't think. I don't he think would they have. were in radio contact. They're, why? Why would he say anything to make people run further? It's like yeah, it's you got no middle. choice. We're fighting. I know, but no. What I'm saying is, get in your fucking foxholes, then, because it's coming down. Like the rain is coming down. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, like to stage the um, the various encounters that they have out the way they do, like the the first uh, night mission that they go on where it rains and Junior falls asleep and blames Charlie Sheen, like that's a very tense firefight, especially when Charlie Sheen wakes up and then starts looking through the shadows and 
if you look really carefully on one of the times he looks through, you can just see this frozen AK-47, and there's no other movement. And then it cuts back to, back to Charlie as he's trying to like get his get his vision down, and then you start to see the movement, and it, like, oh man, it's it's really well done. It's and so he just scary. freezes and sits there as it looks like the camera's coming up on him, and and I think largely there'd be a lot of that going on where people just freeze from anxiety and and stress and adrenaline uh even if death was walking right up and you'd be like is this fucking happening right now holy shit the fight or flight would kick in yeah yeah and then another good directing that was done was uh the point of view stuff and you can really see you you if you look really closely now you can see the guy there but on the second shot, they start to move. And yeah. then you can see like the, the leaves in their helmets and stuff. It's super effective. It is. Yeah, it works well. And then once all of a sudden someone just shoots, I don't even know what happens there. They, um, they step on a claymore or something and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. Yeah, they, I think someone opens up, just starts firing. And, yeah, I think so too. And then they, they got to blow the claymores. The sound they, was great in this movie too, I found. Yeah, that was okay um, for an older movie for sure. Um, I didn't have a lot of problems with that. Like the gun usage and and some of the realism seemed seemed pretty good. They were reloading magazines at certain points, and um, I had no problems with the gunplay other than other the than Elias. the squib stuff. Yeah, that 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 was yeah. That the was Elias weird. running and uh, that uh, that also didn't make a lot of sense to me either because they do use squibs when Tom Berenger's character shoots Elias in the woods. Yeah, and I see him shoot him like in the chest like on the on the opposite side of the heart and then dead center in the three chest. times yeah boom, boom, so boom. like he would have had like three gaping holes and what kind of a gun did he use it was in he had his m16 yeah so he's yeah. gonna have three gaping holes in his chest from that range because they're close yeah. yeah no he's dead as fuck and and then he's running without those holes in his chest anymore yeah and he's he's able to run but that, yeah that's the thing about elias though is elias almost is like this jesus type of character like he does there, a, there, he's a symbol, yeah. Symbol, well, yeah, symbolism. but I mean, like, even before that, like, there is, like, a redemption through him. Like, you go into the jungle, and then you come back into the opium den, and he's there, like, like welcoming you with love and open arms and, like, washing your sins away, right? Mm-hmm. It's like he's... And he's the good father. He's the moralistic compass and, the, and guidance throughout the movie. Yeah. And then he's reborn. For no good, he runs and dies again. But he's reborn yeah, for a that. minute. He, but and he goes down again. He goes See, down again. Like, Watch me die. I, if I was like, I'll give you one more chance. I would have. I would have. I would have edited it so that you you instead of Tom Berenger shooting Elias, he just leaves him behind and says he's dead. And then mm. Elias is running and gets shot by those guys because that makes more sense. Than someone who was shot three times jogging, <laughs> they like you're. They're not running. He would be lucky if he was even alive. Never mind, could walk. Yeah. Like, uh, and yeah. never mind, could run. Yeah. It's I, frustrating I though that Sheen is not more explicit with his information. I agree. Yeah. In like after the fact. Yeah. Because he he's like he's like I know he fucking shot him, and they never explains like how he knows. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you think about it. Look where look where Sheen was when Beringer shot him. He would have heard three loud shots. Yeah. He like, would have came with his gun up and ready. Like, what he, was that? Yeah, he, been like, he, who are you just shooting at then? Yeah, he didn't explain to them that that Barnes told him that he found Elias dead, like a few yards, hundred yards away. He was like, he's dead. I saw his body. And Charlie Sheen even said, you saw him. And he's like, let's get the fuck out of here. So like, all Charlie Sheen had to do is because like, actually, Charlie Sheen doesn't know he shot him. Like, if I was Charlie Sheen, I thought he would have left him behind. Yeah. Because that's what it's that's what it should have been. I yeah. actually think. who knows how many times he was shot running to where they finally see him at the edge of the trees. 
Yeah. So yeah, it it yeah. I would have I, I would have just edited that so that so that he just he lies to Charlie Sheen and they leave him abandon him amongst all of the enemy and then exactly what happens is he gets ran down and shot. That's something that bugs me that a lot of movies do is where you know the character has information that they should be sharing yeah. and they just choose not to mm-hmm. or don't share it in a convincing or timely way. Yeah. It's like just explain. His, I'm his like ex- you need to address this. The his, char- like you need to be true to your characters, right? His, and his so ex- if fun. your character is going through this and living this and fighting this battle, mm-hmm. then he needs to be he needs to fucking at least address that. He needs to at least talk to somebody and be convinced not to say something or whatever the fuck. But he can't have that information and not use it. Yeah. The line he used was, um, I saw it in his eyes when he came back. Yeah. So that's not that's not evidence. No. The fact that he says he saw him dead and then he sees him running would be enough. Yeah. And from that, you would just be like, look, all I know is that he said this and this happened. And like, so now I, I'm, I'm sure of it. If he didn't but, shoot him, he was responsible for his death. Yeah. I do like the scene when Berenger shows up, though, and uh, basically rubs, he rubs it in their faces. And smokes a little weed, too. Well, here I am. Like he, also, he also admits it. He, he basically admits he it. Yeah, he, he says, y'all love Elias. And, yeah. Uh, I don't, but he, he, he without, it, without like completely admitting it, he says, you guys should kill me because I killed Elias. Yeah. Yeah. So that's crazy. And He's then he gives a, them, right? he gives Chris a little cheek scar as a I like that scene too where Don't he, do it, Burns. Yeah, he's like you'll be crawling the fucking walls. Twenty five years for killing a what was it? Yeah, no, it wasn't twenty five. It was like eight for killing an enlisted man or something like that. That's wasn't it? it wasn't it surprisingly <laughs> short? I think it might have been, yeah. Yeah, because I remember thinking, like, Jesus, you could fucking, <laughs> you maybe want to do that and get out of the war quick. I also feel like a lot of that stuff happened that felt very realistic when they he was Elias was reporting Barnes, and the guy was like, "Well, we'll we'll figure this out when we get out of here." But like for right now, you guys got to work together or whatever. Yeah, I feel like there's probably there's probably I mean that was probably a daily thing as people are doing shit. Because the one guy says, which is a great little piece of dialogue, is I like it here because I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, yeah, it's Dylan. Bunny. Yeah, he's like, I can Bunny. do whatever, and like no one fucks with you, and you just do whatever you want, and I can't do that back home. Yeah, and if you de- if anything does happen, you'll be dead, and you won't care. Yeah, it's great dialogue. I mean, it's it's a great dialogue into the mind of of how some people probably felt as soldiers. <laughs> I mean, if you come from a shitty enough place, you might like just being out there having no responsibility except for to wake up and march as long as you're winning it would be great but i mean some people are built to deal with that that horror that ending battle too is like so crazy because they set it up so that there's like thousands of of the vietnam soldiers coming at them and uh they have all those foxholes and they're talking about how like there's so much gap between the foxholes you could like basically run a whole infantry through there and you'd never even see and yeah yeah except like for the that. one soldier who runs up the line they're coming they're from everywhere run out here save your life well that's what i i, 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 I felt guy. like that was realistic oh maybe <laughs> he was a little over the top for me but but it How got the job over done. the top he was being just, chased his whole just unit the was, acting his, his acting wasn't good his whole unit was probably killed out. yeah and absolutely. he ran away yeah and he was like get the fuck out of here get the fuck yeah, out of here that, that person's acting don't didn't do it for don't me. stay here you know what i do love though is where um charlie scenes uh pulls his buddy out of the foxhole because there's a mortar or something coming in i think that's what it is and then afterwards charlie sheen gets back in the hole and starts going crazy shooting and then his partner who was like so scared is like 
picks up the energy and he picks up the gun and he gets in and they start up both unloading and then Charlie Sheen's up over the up over the manhole and fucking down the hill he goes fucking <laughs> chasing me a cocktail. He was like Elias. He's like ah. He just yeah, I think at that does. moment he kind of he, he was like him. fucking doesn't he matter be, anymore. He became an here. alliance, yeah. Elias, and yeah. and it's so and it's so true too because. Because fear is what's going to get you killed in those yeah. situations. Fear and hesitation. And it was at that moment where Charlie had no fear just and nothing. no hesitation. Yeah, he was none. just like, and the enemy was like, had the fear and the hesitation because he was like he was fucking killing going everybody. balls to the walls. Yeah. That's again, another uh, Band of Brothers thing is Lieutenant Spears addresses oh, that excellently yeah. where he says, you just have to accept that you're already dead. And then once you accept that you're already dead, you can do what's necessary to survive. Yep. Because then once you remove the fear from it, then it's just action. Yeah, and the and the the uh, the aggression, I guess, the 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 decisiveness is what will lead you if you're going to get there. Some, there's always fucking a random bullet that could catch you, but I mean, you get a better chance if you actually put in your best foot forward. Spears, yeah, that's Spears who gives that talk. Spears, what did yeah. I say? I don't know. I assume, I saw I Winters think did, in my head, but I, I think, think you, you said did Spears. say Spears. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it was crazy. I'm when, agreeing with you. When yeah, he, I agree he, with you he, and me. When he goes nuts, <laughs> I, agree I think with us. I think his partner, who's a, one of the other black guys, gets yeah. killed too, right? No. Does his that guy survive? Oh, he stabs himself in the leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. He's like, we're two timers. Yeah. (laughs) He does a horrible, he picks the worst spot and gets a full knife length into his leg. Yeah, you get that that artery. There's a big artery there that you'll Oh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I would have done a much more, yeah, maybe in the butt, like through his side butt cheek, maybe would be a good way to go. I I maybe would have even done my arm. Too many veins. Sunky. They Uh, know, those those guys knew what the, what the, what do they call it? A million dollar wound looked like at the time um so then (laughs) another thing i didn't really like but whatever uh charlie sheen all hepped up on adrenaline goes down to tom berenger who he's i think pretty sure at that point he wants to kill and but then just decides to grab him by the shoulder all gently and be like hey burns and then burns elbows him in the face and then is gonna put a fucking shovel but i think yeah i think it's okay for him to do that at the time though i guess i would have maybe preferred to see a tackle where berenger gets the upper hand instead of just the slight turn you to face me and not know what the guy's gonna do but then a slight mistake in the directing there is as Charlie Sheen is getting ready to be like, no, with the shovel. And then the plane's coming overhead and then it's the close up on the eyes and the big looming moment. And it just all goes on a bit too long. Like we're talking seconds here needed to be shaved off to make that a more impactful. Um, yeah. Yeah. All you need is the flash of the, of the sinister. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just a flash of the close up of the eye, not the close up of Charlie cringing and then Behringer and then Charlie again and then closer to Behringer and then Charlie again and then the eyes of Behringer and then the eye reflection of the bomb and it's just too much um, I see what they were trying to do for sure but I would I would have made that a little bit shorter um, but yeah but then uh, luckily enough they survived the, <laughs> the incoming fire and they're, they're the only two All everybody else around them is completely dead which is a little interesting nobody wants to be there either I like how a couple of guys tried to get out of yeah. fighting yeah Especially uh, John C. McGinley or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, he makes it without a scratch. I know. But he says like... smartly too. They show him, I think... He hides on her body. They portray that as cowardly. No, that's the way it's going to be. But I think that's smart. Yeah, I think think it's smart too. Like what was he supposed to do? Get up and kill one more and then get get dead? Yeah, he was was outnumbered by himself. Yeah, Yeah. I would... He was completely overrun. They were were breaking the line right there. I'm fine with what he did. I don't feel like that's... they try and make it yeah look because he's a because he acts cowardly i i agree with everything he said and did if he had a bad feeling and want to go home it looked like he was at least kind of doing his job i hate him because he's got his 
tongue so far out Behringer's murder. I hate him for that ass. too, but he is brave. Yeah, he's I, there. He is one of the leaders in the. In I do the also squad, feel so. bad at the end when uh, he has to go another night. Yeah, because 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 uh, well, his he, mind's about to fold. Yeah, he's gonna stay one more night, and he's just like, "Fuck, how am I gonna do one more night of this?" Yeah. Yep. And they're and I, like bringing in brand new soldiers, probably guys who don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yep. When you're surrounded by a bunch of idiots, right? And and when I say idiots... Well, you heard just, how he feels about new soldiers at the beginning. Well, they all feel that way, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but him in particular talks yeah. about it. Yeah, it's just um, you, you, you're you bringing a bunch of fresh fresh soldiers into a, something that's going to be... They're, they're going to run into something. Oh, yeah. People are coming through there. Yeah. Like the chances of you getting killed along with them is pretty high they covered this again in band of brothers really well yeah. the whole show is like amazing if they have a whole episode a, a called series. the replacements don't they yeah exactly where basically the veterans don't want to befriend the young ones they're the new guys because they get chewed up and fucking killed so easy and you don't want to make friends because you don't want to see your friends die so if you treat them like shit it's a little less personal oh, even I though see. they all they all kind of suffer with that and i know when they when they attack foy and there's a bunch of new guys come in including james mcavoy who takes a mortar to the head um, oh no! Yeah, does not and then they make find it. him in a in a ditch with his head. Blown yeah, up. they definitely represent that really well with that guy who dies at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Where and they cause him a lump of shit. Look at this lump of shit. Yeah, with the cliche show show the picture of your best girl, which whatever. I still feel yeah. like this is <laughs> whatever. I've seen. It's only that was probably the first time. I yeah. think we've all seen the Vietnam movies, like the uh, trope of Vietnam movies, from like Full Metal Jacket to uh, Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse yeah. Now to the to the one, one with J, uh, Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox was yeah, in and Vietnam Sean movie? Penn. Oh. Sean Penn. I can't remember what it was called now. Shit. Casualties of yes. War. Casualties of War. I haven't seen that it's in not, forever. It's not good. Oh, okay. But I anyway, think uh, I think this is, in my opinion, even even over Apocalypse Now, would be the best representation of the Vietnam War. Yeah, there are enough. Like, hands down. Like, I mean, Apocalypse Now is not really... It's taking place during the Vietnam War, but it's not... It doesn't It doesn't really document what it would be like to be in the war. It's a guy who's going to hunt someone down. It's yeah. a mission. There, yeah. there are pockets where they're in war. Like, in that one night scene where they're by the river, but and it's, it's just, like, mayhem. Yeah, but it's almost more not about that. No, it's, and, it's not as much. And so right. I feel like this movie, whether it holds up or not, is the best representation of, of what it would have been like during that time politically... The climate. Well, what uh, I what the, I read was that that was kind of what Stone was going for. It was like yeah. he was he just well, he was he, there. So well, yeah. that's that's the thing is yeah. he because he he wasn't trying to make something that glorified war and he wasn't trying to make something that villainized it. He was just trying to make a movie about the experience of Vietnam. Yeah, kind of what like without a value judgment, this is just what it is. Do you know what I mean? And I think there's some like solid value in that because you're looking at that and you're seeing that there's the two sides. You can see how people get to, th to that point of craziness where they feel like like maybe shooting villagers. Because like, at this point, they would have been betrayed by how many villagers. Yeah. And, and it was ongoing, right? Yeah. The Vietnamese had all these tactics um, to deceive and, and exploit weaknesses. So you would start doubting everything and you would go to a point where you're starting to lose your mind and, and you'd lose your humanity. So I think he explores that really well from from my two dads. I'm not usually also, I'm not usually uh, a proponent of going in and changing your movies. Yeah. Like I'm usually anti that, but I would say that because the music is so good that I would have zero problem with Oliver Stone not re-editing this movie 
but simply going in and changing the track, taking out all of the voiceover, especially at the end, but all of the voiceover and reissuing the movie exactly as it is now with no voiceover. And it would, it would, I think it would, it would bring it up. It would bring I'm, it up at a point or two. I'm yeah. super curious Easy. if this exists. I'm it might. Google. It might. I don't think it does, but I'm just saying <clears throat> if he was to re-release something like that, that would not bother me. That would actually, I think, enhance this movie greatly without changing it. You wouldn't change it. You would just make it stronger. Yeah, th- this is one of the uh, best picture. Best picture, best director. Best everything. Yeah. Charlie Sheen was like nominated. Up, I, I think I looked nominated. at what else this was up against, and I think this this did deserve it. And you know what? Any problems I have with this movie, um, none of them bring it down to like a failure. Yeah, um, the pros. Are you doing the? Whole, are you doing? I guess. Thing? Yeah, we'll call it. Um, so I I think um, I think this movie felt at some in some places a little long, um, but not not too long. It's a it's a two hour movie. Um, some of the little technical battle stuff, I just, I, it's not that it was bad. I just wish there was more, a little bit more of, of, you know, the squibs, a little bit more, um, around the, the firefights and stuff just to immerse me in it. It just seemed really chaotic. And, and for that, it, it got its point across, which I think was really good. I, I thought the acting and everything was, was pretty good in this movie. There's a lot of young, fresh faces in this movie, but they got a lot of, um, the right experience in the right places. And, like Burns and Elias, um, as the, as the dads are like, they, they both kill it. They're both really good in this. Um, you get a sense of who they are and what they're about. Um, and you know, for the sheer fact that the village scene like still sticks with me, um, that's painful to watch. That's hard. And because the, the perfect amount of lead up to it, you can see why you, you, you don't accept it, but you can see why it would have happened. Yeah. It's believable. Yeah. It's never not. These guys were just so pushed. And then like, after losing ev- a few in straight battle, then the the, Vietnam, the Vietnamese soldiers like kidnap their buddy and like kill him badly. Like those boys would be out for blood, and anything that wasn't white male would just be in their in their warpath. And and it goes too far. And and it's so great to to like juxtapose it against Charlie Sheen, who like almost goes over the edge, but but realizes too late. And then when he sees Bunny kill the guy, and he looks away in disgust. Like that cements him from right there. He's like, that's when he makes his decision. Yeah, not only is he still on the Elias camp in like terms of of who his, his comrades are and what he believes, but uh, he knows he's not a reckless piece of shit murderer. And and basically, you know, from then from the time that Elias gets killed, he knows he's like he's got to be vengeance. And and what's right is maybe to stop some like to continue to fight with his brothers in arms. But certainly, what is right is that like Berenger can't live anymore. And it, it just becomes so interesting after that point. So this was surprisingly um, for me uh, a hold up. Um, I didn't think it was going to. I thought it was going to be too old, um, and and just there'd be so many better ways of making this movie today. Uh, but it's not true. There's only a few little technical things I think that could have made it a little bit tighter. Um, but I see why this movie won an Oscar. And and as uh, in terms of a look into what it must have been like in the Vietnam War, I think I think this did a really really great job. Hold up. <laughs> hold up. Go I ahead. think it holds up too. And uh, I would honestly say that if it's an eight, then if you were to take out the voiceover, <laughs> if you were to take out the voiceover and the scene where Eli- Barnes shoots Elias, which would be, it would take somebody like 15 minutes to edit this, to edit out the sound and just leave the music of the voiceover without the voiceover and just edit that one scene. You just never see Barnes shoot Elias. He just tells tells Charlie Sheen, I saw him. He's dead. Let's go. It would, this movie would go from an eight to like a masterpiece ten. 
like yeah. honestly because it's that good and those things kind of fundamentally undermine the movie just uh, and just those little tiny tweaks would make this a masterpiece that would go on to be like one of the best movies of all time it's it's a really strong it really gives you the sense of what it must have been like for these yeah. guys to be there and that's why it's still good yeah because that it's that still works it's still effective you still you still get a sense of what it must have been like to be there yep so yeah it's, i it, it definitely holds up though nice uh doesn't hold up <gasps> thought this thing was a huge bag of shit no. couldn't disagree more with you guys no, obviously this movie's great. Um, I fucking love war movies too. Um, and I tend to be pretty hard on them because a lot of war movies put you in those spots where you're like, there's a, there's something that just breaks you. And, and you're like, nope, didn't happen, couldn't happen. Yeah. Something impossible. And this movie just feels real. Yeah. And, and the fact that it's like, like beyond the two dads, it's also like a battle of good and evil. Like you put some people in the middle of hell and then you still have this morality, like this this complex yep. um, environment where they need to decide between the, how they're going to act, how are they going to conduct themselves, like are they going to maintain their humanity and like live by this code, or are they going to abandon it all in hopes of survival, right? The movie addresses that stuff, I think, really well, and it shows that ongoing um, that ongoing complexity and like the, the difficult of the environment. I think that it pulls that off very well. Yeah. Um, and the acting is excellent. I'm, I can't say that I was ever like a noted Behringer fan. Um, but except for major league, right? Major league. He kills awesome it. In major league. Uh, and he is awesome in this. Yeah. He is, he, you buy him, you buy him completely. Yeah. He's terrifying. I mean, he has that magnitude and, uh, and he does it really well. He, he does. He just has it. And the scar on his face and, and he just always looks pissed. Yeah. Honestly, that's the thing that's sad is that Stone should have been so confident in this movie and 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 he because because he was he because he lacked confidence, he put in that voiceover and stuff. Maybe. I don't think it's that. I think it's I think it's like John said and what like what I kind of always allude to is we're learning as we go through movies. This is 86. We hadn't come so far. A lot of best practices are still being developed, right? So yeah. things that they were using before as like solid techniques or things that we've just reevaluated. Voiceover is just also very 80s. I mean like the 80s is and 90s is where voiceover like voiceover never used to be in movies that much and then like for some reason in the 80s fucking everybody popping. wanted to do voiceover. Because everyone was on coke and they had no patience I, for yeah, fucking subtlety. Just think They're like tell me just tell me what I need to know. <laughs> it was. I think it was just uh, I think somebody you know it'd be interesting to go back and see where it really started and then like uh, who's the one who put it in a movie and other filmmakers are like ooh I want to do voiceover. Yeah. Started, it started with Battleship Potemkin with those with those title cards because there was no voice. Yeah, so true. So it was just like, a, oh no, the little placard. Yeah, I guess any any kind of opening crawl would become become a candidate for voiceover. It's just it's those two it's those two elements. It's either the director is underconfident that he has made a vision that people can understand, or he does not have confidence that the audience is smart enough to get his message. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's and, the thing where it becomes insulting to the audience. Yeah, and 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 I and I think well, to he, us, anyway. I think he nails it. So like, I really think if he just takes those things out, I would honestly be very excited if he was to re-release. I'm gonna tag him on our Instagram. I Do think it. He has an, 
I'll, I'll have a step. Please change yeah, your gonna, Oscar winning movie. I will movie. take back everything <laughs> I fucking say about you. And he's like, can you take back podcast. every time you mention my name, you talk about my drug use? I'll can you take I'll all take, that I'll back? I'll take back all of the drug use comments, <laughs> even though you said that you did the drugs yourself. But I'll take it all back. Yeah. If you just take out the voiceover and one scene and then we release it as a whatever anniversary edition. I will, and I will buy it. I don't think it. that seems I so will bad. buy it. I'm just saying you don't need it. You just, he just lies and says he, he's. I like that he shoots him though. I do too. Well, then you have to take out the scene. Okay, fine. If you keep that in, then you take out the scene where he's running. But then how does Charlie Sheen know he lied? So uh, you got to take out. Something. So the way to bridge the two would be to show. Um, you Behring, wouldn't shoot him like in the you chest. Show, you show where Behringer comes into the cops of trees and he kind of lowers his gun and, and Willem oh. Dafoe is smiling because Willem Dafoe is the bigger man and is like our camaraderie will get over our little argument here but then just show Behringer lift the gun up but keep it on Behringer while he squeezes off three rounds no nope, I disagree I, oh. you you are close oh, okay you you have him <laughs> smile you have him smile and and Behringer lowers his gun and you have him smile and you have them look at each other and then you cut to the scene where he's like he's gone he's gone he's dead I saw him hey you never show him shoot him there you go yeah you never show him then you don't have to shot. explain how he could be running e out because exactly. he might have missed that's the thing you just can't show the point blank chest shots yeah. because that's what it's makes it impossible much. you just yeah. show so I lied there is that impossible scene but I let it go because like I said Elias is Jesus but you yeah. edit you all you have to do is edit it so that when he smiles at Elias and then he sees the look on Elias's face and then he frowns you cut yep and then he's like and then he comes to Charlie Sheen he says he's gone yeah I, I, lo I love that. So, love like, that. actually, Stone, you'd have to take out like 15 seconds or 10 seconds. And some audio. And all of the audio voiceover and just re release it as the 30th anniversary of Platoon uh, director's cut. And, make, uh, and I will buy it and I'll watch it like once a month. <laughs> and make King the, the, the new main character. Oh. She don't read so good, know how. <laughs> like, love He's it. awesome. I love Keith so, David. If so it much. wasn't for Keith David. Um, saving Charlie Sheen's life in this movie, Charlie Sheen would have never gone on to do anything after this because Charlie Sheen stated in an interview that they were in a Huey and it banked for some reason sharply and Charlie Sheen was going to fall out the door and Keith David grabbed him and pulled him back into the chopper. Really? Keith Are, David looks like the kind of guy that could do that yeah, too. He solid. looks like fucking tough. But I don't read no good scary? now, but I save you. That is so Strong scary. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy scary. He says Keith David saved his life yeah, he felt, he said he would have gone right through the open door if, if he hadn't grabbed him and pulled him back in. That's wow. nuts. And if how, I was Keith David, I'd be like, I'll be having some of that paycheck. Yeah. And how are they not letting... But how, not AIDS. How are they letting... How are <laughs> they none letting of your AIDS. The star of the movie... Um, like, who's the insurance guy This is what I'm that? saying. Like, in the 80s, 80s this man. didn't exist. It was like... The drug use and here's stuff your, too, yeah. Here's your trailer and your pile of coke and your, like, seatless... Or they were seat probably still car. really killing animals for the scenes and stuff in the 80s. Yeah, no doubt. Probably. No doubt. Well, you know what? I'm glad you guys thought it held up because I actually really did feel like this movie is still a very powerful it's film. Strong. It's Stone's strong. Stone's best movie? Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah. it is. 100%. Hands yeah. down. There's nothing else he's done. Yep. That's even come close to this. And, and Better than includes. Bloodsport, though? <gasps> yeah. Better than Under Siege? Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's a, no, no, no. It's, it's not a fair comparison. <laughs> this is way too I know. Better. We're not doing yeah, a comparison. But okay. no, but if, if one of these two <laughs> movies, if one of these two movies had to not exist, I mean, you'd, you'd go with this one to exist. Yes. It's yeah. the more it's the more oh, important yeah. movie it's for, very important, for, yeah. for everyone. It's an actual, like, movie. It's, it's a touch point in history that no one has done as well. And, and that includes... Uh, Stanley Kubrick, 
Like he's in big company here. He's with Brian De Palma, made Casualties of War. Stanley Kubrick made uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. I mean, and as Francis Ford Coppola made Apocalypse Now, and I still think out of all of those directors, this is the best movie that represents the Vietnam War. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. It just is. I think it is too. I yeah. think because it's just a it's just a sincere look. It just <laughs> excuse me. John Stogg just uh, I don't know what he did. Has COVID. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh no. Can I get dog COVID? I think so. You can catch cat AIDS. It's true. Um, you can. I don't know if you can catch it, but cats got cat AIDS. Anyways. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and tigers can have Down syndrome. There's all sorts of weird afflictions that, that animals is. can get too. Yep. Yeah. No. So you know what, Stone? Uh, I uh, thumbs up from me here on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I just re-release it. Oh, yeah. Huge thumbs up. Great. It'll, t- it'll take you like a day to make those changes. I know oh, yeah. Oliver Stone's been waiting for our approval. So, hey, he you has, got yeah. it. So, Ollie, you got Well, a- he hasn't been doing anything lately. And if he's hanging in COVID, just get into the editing room. Just make a couple of these cuts. And you're, that thing's going to be fucking bulletproof. Platoon, Collins cut. Oh, the Colin cut. Dude. Good. But honestly, you could do that quick and hey. release it on YouTube. You should do it. No, you can't. Wait, this the audio is a it would be a nightmare. To if you do Colin's reaction to Platoon, then you could put it up there as long there as you have go. a little thing of your face in the bottom corner, being like, "Oh, surprise face!" Oh, oh what? So no, cool. they didn't. Oh, it's so much better without the voice. <laughs> and then it's your voice instead. I love it. I like how <laughs> yeah. they're doing this. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's my voiceover over top of the scene. So it's like, see, there used to be voiceover over this scene, but it out. <laughs> it's much better. Quiet here with my own thoughts. This is where <laughs> I'd normally. Be writing to grandma, <laughs> but I did not. But I did not write to grandma. All, All right, right. Holds yes, up. it does. Three holds up. Platoon, good movie, very kind of important movie. Um, one of the best you'll see of the Vietnam War, and just crazy sticks with you. Sticks with you in not great ways, but important ways. You got to realize what these people went through. So, uh, are you a uh, Elias fan, or, or of course you're an yeah, Elias team fan. Elias? Of course you're on Barnes. Team Elias. It's like Twilight. The thing it's about like, Barnes is that Barnes. he rapes. But he saves. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Chappelle, everybody. Uh, okay. Enjoy uh, life and be safe and healthy out there, everybody. Um, we'll be back at you next week. And as always, enjoy your shit. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM.